0: Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a fantastic show for you today. I'm going to remind you that you are an influencer. I'll also be interviewing cultural designer and change management expert Claudette Raleigh. Claudette specializes in creating and enhancing proactive and innovative workplace cultures that deliver outstanding results. She reviews her book, Cultural Brilliance, the DNA of Organizational Excellence. This book will help your company increase positivity, invention, and the productivity of your workforce. For more information about Claudette, please visit culturalbrilliance.com. You may also purchase her book on Amazon or in the previous guest sections in both stores at jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on this same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m. and Saturday at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name James Miller Lifeology or simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com. Are you struggling to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling, or you aren't sure how to make long-lasting changes? Then contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well, and then we will look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long-lasting changes. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and click on the page, Work with James. Fill out that form, and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, Work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. Being an Influencer. If I were to ask you, for what are you known? What would you say? Often we don't realize that the people around us have certain names for us or certain ideas of who we are. For example, I'm sure we all have one person we know who likes to gossip. Every time we think about that person, we associate them with the behavior of gossiping. Perhaps you know other people who are an encourager. Every time you're around them, you feel really good. You feel positive, you feel uplifted, and you're ready to tackle the day. We are no different. People will often have ideas of who we are based off of what we demonstrate to them every single time you are around people you are changing that environment and when you change the environment it's your responsibility to be true to who you are the integrity that we have determines how consistent we are whether people are around or whether they're not when you identify for what you're known or for what you want to be known it's important that you be consistent regardless of how much time you spend with someone you are always going to influence that environment whether you're at the checkout at the grocery store you can influence that interaction with a sales associate. Whether you are with friends, whether you're with family, your spouse, or even at work, you determine how much interaction, how much output you have in each exchange. When you look at the different characteristics or attributes that you portray, is it something that you're proud of? Is it something that you want to be known for? If this is a question you've never asked yourself, I would have you take some time to reflect on that. The more information you have, the more successful you'll be to be the person that you want to become. Doesn't necessarily mean that's the person you are today, but when you strive to be a more developed person, you can become the person you want to become. One of the best ways to do this is anytime you're going to spend time with individuals, you wanna ask yourself, how do I wanna feel? How do I want them to feel? Because when you work backwards on what your objective is, then everything you do helps you accomplish that goal. If you want to be known as an encourager, then make sure everything you say and do brings encouragement. Remember, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. In other words, just because you can gossip or just because you can be sarcastic with people doesn't mean you should. We often think that just because we have a thought, we should express that thought. The reality is, the more integrity you have and the more you're aware of the objectives you want to create and the more aware you are of the outcomes you'd like to see, the more your behaviors will start to change. Not only do we want to be a change agent for the people around us, but we want to influence our own thoughts. Life happens to all of us. When we use the same perspective on how we view the world, unfortunately, it causes us to be limited in our thinking. If you find that your self-talk often leaves you feeling defeated or often has you feel as if you're not going to accomplish anything in your life, then just like you like to influence your friends, you need to influence yourself. Just because you've had those thoughts in the past does not mean that those thoughts are true or even relevant to you today. So I would have you also be aware of what your thought life is like. If you find that after you think a certain thing, you don't like how you feel or you feel discouraged, then that's when your healthier self-talk needs to kick in and remind you that you have a purpose. You have something to offer this world. And the more you're able to self-encourage, the more that's going to translate to the people around you. You are more of a change agent than you realize. So I find this to be a very exciting lesson because when you realize that you influence more people than you realize, not only does it put the responsibility on you, but it also allows you to help shape the environment around you. I have a fantastic interview today with Claudette Rowley. Claudette specializes in developing cultures in the workplace. Stay tuned for this interview. You'll definitely hear how your family culture is very similar to your work culture. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and sign up for the free weekly recap. Claudette Rowley is a CEO of Cultural Brilliance, a cultural design and change management consultancy. Over the past 20 years, Claudette has consulted for large companies, small businesses, academic institutions, and startups, helping them create proactive and innovative workplace cultures that deliver outstanding results. Today, she reviews her phenomenal book, Cultural Brilliance, the DNA of Organizational Excellence. Welcome to my show, Claudette.
1: Thanks, James. I am so happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this.
0: I am as well. I'm so glad our schedule's finally connected. So this is going to be a great show.
1: Yeah, awesome.
0: How did you become this expert in cultures or cultural phenomena?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, it, it actually goes back. Uh, it's unbelievably 25 years ago Um, when I. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had two jobs in my 20s, uh, mid 20s. And make a long story short, um, I had a job with where I worked in a really great culture. Mm hmm. You know, I had I had a great manager who asked me to who really trusted me and asked me to do some really innovative projects. And I learned a lot as a person and learned to trust myself professionally. It was a great experience. And then I moved to a different state and I got a new job. And this job, although I still did really interesting work there and good work there, the culture was toxic. It was hmm. really toxic. And I didn't know anything about culture. No one was talking about culture. I just knew that I was in these really different environments. And what I noticed was that my confidence started to drop in the toxic culture. Yeah, I just, you know, because I was dealing with this, just this backstabbing and all these office politics and people being blamed, and I had never been in an environment quite like that, so I was figuring out how to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and I got really interested in leadership, interestingly. I started reading books on leadership, even though I had no idea what I was going to do with it. And, um, <laughs> that's funny. Just like I'll do it, and then a couple of years later, I went through a career transition myself and became a coach and started, uh, you know, leadership and and business and career coaching practice. Which so that's really what set me on this path. Yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. So we can blame that toxic culture for launching you into your purpose, can't we? <laughs> I'm just <Yes>. kidding. <laughs> Let's actually define the word culture. So many times people have an idea of what a culture means, perhaps a culture of a country or a certain type of group yeah. or an ethnicity. How do you define culture?
1: So, you know, it's interesting because ethnic, ethnic culture or, you know, societal overall culture is actually really similar to organizational culture. Yeah. In both cases, we're talking about a set of beliefs that drive norms for behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're talking about, in the book I talk about a little bit differently also, which is that in, in organizational culture, business culture particularly, we see, if you really look, you'll see there are certain mindsets that drive certain behaviors, like communication, decision-making, efficiency, things like that. Yes. And then those behaviors, of course, drive the results we're getting. And what happens in a lot of organizations is those patterns, are people are so used to those patterns, they don't necessarily see how they're impacting I mean, the culture. So that's really what culture is about. We have these beliefs that drive behaviors that give us a certain set of results.
0: So from a psychological approach, we have the same type of thing. We often will look at a a culture in a a family system. Yes. So a family system is really derived of just the people that are in that family. And so there's a set of norms or set of rules, whether they're spoken or unspoken, that people just follow. They just understand it. And so that family system is going to be different from another person's family. But when those families come together, let's say maybe at a church or a community center, then all of a sudden those two cultures create another culture. And then it gets bigger and bigger, and then pretty soon you have perhaps a country culture or a, a world culture. And that's really how we define it as well. Yes. I think it's quite fascinating how you take the same concept and you link it to an organization. Mm-hmm. You talked a little bit about the communication styles and perhaps the the rules or unspoken yeah. rules there in the organization. Can you give us some more of those characteristics?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the things you know we see in, you know, my book is, talks about this idea of a brilliant culture. So one of the things that I see in culture is that it's... It's a form of potential. Hmm. It's one of the things I talk about and I write about Oh wow, I really like that. Yeah, this is a form of potential and why that's interesting is because most organizations don't use that full potential. Very true. They don't even usually know what the full potential is. They may or may not, you know, it depends, but they don't necessarily know. So you have all this potential in the form of people, in the form of better operating systems, right, in the form of innovation, all these forms of potential left on the table. And when they could be, they could make the business better. They could make the people in the business grow and develop more, right? We know all of that impacts what happens in the rest of the world. And it was interesting what you mentioned about family systems. When I'm working with a new organizational, often when they say, well, you know, they're trying to get grasp what culture is because it is a little bit hard to understand from a day-to-day perspective. Sometimes we get it conceptually, but and I'll say it is like your family culture. And, you know, every family has a culture, whether you like it or not, you're in a culture, right? In a family. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know how thing, all the unspoken rules in your family, right? You, you know those, right? And, and all the ways you're supposed to behave. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how often people start squirming in their seats. Like,
0: oh, oh my God, That's interesting. Like that? <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really like yeah. the fact that you come from a place of potential. Because I think the day-to-day minutiae, in other words, the things you have to do every single day, and because we have to do those things over and over, we often just do it without even thinking. We're just on autopilot. And I think in our own life, but obviously in organizations as well, if they don't have that forward thinking or innovation, then they will demonstrate a form of mediocrity. They're not going to grow and develop. They're not going to be cutting edge. And I do think it's really important that we do come from a place of what is the potential moving forward as opposed to what have we continually done over and over again. Why do you think it is that organizations do get caught up in the minutia or not come from a place of potential
1: you know one of the things is this idea of culture blindness right that we all we all have Mm -hmm. blind spots right we know that we're human we have blind spots so cultures develop blind spots too, the people in the cultures because we don't we're so in it just like we're in our family right it's hard to sometimes see it unless we take we do a cultural assessment or we practice being what i call a cultural detective where you try to stand outside of things like Really observe in a meeting, don't even participate, but really watch as though you've never been here before. What do you notice? So I think that's how we get stuck in some of that minutia, it's just because it's hard to see something that you're in on a day-to-day basis.
0: Uh, Okay. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, when you look at the culture of, let's say, the frontline people or then the culture of the C-suite individuals, like the CEOs or the CFOs, what do you typically find is the commonality or common theme between those two types of cultures?
1: You know, I think that it's really...
0: um, (laughs) I'm totally putting you on the spot here.
1: Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. It's an interesting question. I was just reflecting for a sec. I think it's, you know, when everybody from their particular vantage point in an organization, right, sees the culture differently. And Mm -hmm. that's real there's pros and cons to that, right? The con is we can't see everything, but no one can. The pro is that you have a very unique, like you said, what's the commonality between all these levels of hierarchy? You have the really unique perspective on the culture from wherever you are, right? At the front mm-hmm. line, at the C-suite, whatever. And if you put together all these vantage points, you get this amazing 360 view of the culture, oh, interesting. Um, which is something I love to do with organizations. Yeah, Let's that. get everybody's viewpoint because now you're gonna really understand, right? If you put these puzzle pieces together, how this works so i i work hmm. in organizations pulling people from every level every team every department because we want everybody's input and feedback yeah because it's still incredibly valuable so you're just because you're a leader doesn't mean your feedback is more important than someone's looking on the line, front line yeah
0: Yeah, exactly, because it is an organism, and it all has to work effectively together, and so all the pieces are not working together, and then, unfortunately, it's dysfunctional. Yeah. Well, this then makes me think of if you pull the different, I guess, levels of an organization, for example, the frontline people, midline managers, or C-suite people, whomever it may be, how do you make sure that there's no form of retaliation? How do you really capture the honesty or the integrity of the answers that you get from these people when you talk to them? Because there could be a sense of retaliation, and so not everybody wants to talk.
1: Yeah. So how? So people, you know, it, people get afraid, they get concerned, they get, mm-hmm. you know, they get nervous. So one of the things we do is create this idea of a cultural safety zone. Okay. Um, which means simply that that we need to create a safe space, a set of agreements about how we're going to talk about our culture, because being able to tell the truth about your culture is You cannot evolve your culture into something better to fulfill its potential, right? Mm -hmm. Or to support people, (laughs) your business objectives, whatever the whatever your goal is, unless you're willing to tell the truth about how it operates. Exactly. And so we have to create that safety. So we have agreements. How can we we need to make sure it's psychologically safe as, as it can be right mm-hmm. at the beginning. Usually there's a lack of trust and things aren't as safe. You know, how do we make sure that there's no retaliation? You know, who? how is the information being forwarded? Mm-hmm. You know, usually I'm part of that, all of that, you know, framing part of all the initial assessment work so that people do feel safer. Um. what's confidential, what's not, right? How do we Good. collect information? So we're really, we're putting all that in place.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm sure people definitely feel a lot safer when they have those parameters put on there. And that is why you are the expert here today. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's
1: a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: Now yeah. let's switch over to your book, yeah. Cultural Brilliance, yeah. the DNA of Organizational Excellence. How did you know that it was time to write this book or what was the need that was happening in the world around you that you thought, you know what? These organizations need to read something like this. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I was very um, – a few years ago I got – you know, I started to think about the fact that we have all of this – we have tons of information, technology, mm-hmm. knowledge, know-how, inventions, all these things, and yet we have all these problems in the world. And I looked at yeah. it and I'm like, we could solve all the problems in the world many times over, Right. <laughs> So what's, co- what's stopping us from this? And we know it's will. We know it's leadership, right? We know most of the reasons. But one of the things that struck me was that if it, like if almost every business had a really great culture, whatever great looks like for that business, which is going to be different mm-hmm. for business, yeah. um, business has the power to change the world. And I think business is one of our greatest change levers and agents right now. So, you know, if every business had an amazing culture, they'd be making a lot of amazing changes in the world is my premise. And so I thought, well, how could we help cultures? How could we help businesses create these cultures? And that was the beginning of what's in the book around cultural brilliance system for change was me wanting to help address.
0: Oh, I love that. I think it's really great that you want to change the world culture as well. And you start with each organization. But you're right, we have so much technology available to us today that it's at our fingertips. You know, the little kids today are growing up with technology that you and I had never even seen and only recently probably have seen. And only within the last, what, 10 years or so has technology really, really evolved. Exactly. But it is unfortunate because there is so much technology out there, but it's not always linked together. It's not cogent or combined in such a way that everybody understands the world around us. But sometimes people think they're experts all of a sudden because they read something or they saw a YouTube episode. But unfortunately, not all of that is the bigger picture. So to really create a world where technology is available in multiple ways through business allows for the world to be a much more productive, viable organism. So what are some of the tenets that are in this book?
1: So yeah, the, one of the main tenets of the book is this idea of brilliance as potential, certainly, which I've mentioned. You know, another main tenet of the book is that you know, changing a culture and creating a brilliant, great culture requires trust, truth-telling, and mm-hmm. this idea of psychological safety. And for those who aren't familiar with psychological safety, it simply means that risk take interpersonal risk-taking, is safe in an organization. Which yeah. means that if I make a mistake, I can tell you about it, and I'm not worried you're going to go gossip about me or there's going to be retribution.
0: Yeah, that's really important.
1: We can learn together from our mistakes. Stakes. If we have very different opinions about something, we can debate that respectfully. And again, there's not going to be any negative consequences mm-hmm. for doing that. I'm not going to get passed over for a promotion because I disagreed with you. Okay. Um so we put that in place. So that those are main tenets. And another main tenet of the book is that cultural is that you can actually design a culture, right? And other people mm-hmm. design cultures too, but that you can you can assess and then you can actually design what you want aspects of your culture to look like based on your assessment. Tell me more about that. Sure. Absolutely. So if you're, um, you're working in an organization and you know, there are a lot of, let's say there are a lot of communication issues, right? A common one in many many organizations, right? It's a lot mm-hmm. of communication <laughs> issues, right? And you do yeah. assessment work and you find out that the root of a lot of the communication issues is you know, you might think, oh, have well, communication issues, we have a lack of trust. But maybe you find out in your organization there are some trust issues, but that's not the main root mm-hmm. cause. Maybe the main root cause has to do with the fact that you ha- you're working in three different geographic locations. Um, and so then and you realize and you assess the cultures of each of those locations and you do all that work, right? Mm-hmm. Due diligence work, figure out how everything works. And, and get feedback from everybody, and then you, you, you identify the problem, and then you, you actually have folks get engaged in a process of designing the solution to that, cult, that communication issue in the mm, culture. Okay. So they're actually designing, I don't mean even getting to the systems of how it would be implemented, uh-huh. but literally designing what would it look like if we had an amazing culture of communication here for our organization, right, for our
0: culture. So, if I understood you correctly, what that really means is yeah. you work backwards, essentially. So in other words, you say, if our organization was to be this way, this is how it would look in the future. So if this is how we want it to be, let's fill in the deficits or fill in the blanks with the new things you want to do, so therefore we will become this certain type of organization.
1: Yeah, right. Then you go into the implementation, but we're really looking at not so much the how piece, but mm-hmm. actually the the what. What is the design we would we would pick? right, which is going to be unique to every organization. Yeah, that's a good point. We would pick to have the kind of communication structure and culture we need, which might include people changing their beliefs and mindsets, most likely would, right? So it's not just the pragmatics of communication. Mm-hmm. So you'd look at the mindsets, you look at the behaviors required, and then you look at the structures and systems. And then once you have all that, then you look at the implementation.
0: I'm sure it would be pretty hard to maintain consistency because if a culture is used to doing something the same way for so long, to be able to become consistent in some of these new implementations or new changes to stick.
1: It is, although that's absolutely true. And I found that if you're able to have, in order for implementation to be successful even at the beginning, folks have to to really adjust some of their mindsets and beliefs usually, and Mm -hmm. behaviors. And so once that's that's in motion for several months, let's say, it almost, the good news is you start to pass the point where you can't go back. Mm. It's just like individual growth, right? We, so we were making a change. We finally we pass a point of no
0: return, right? Mm. <laughs> where you yeah. can't
1: really slide back anymore because you've, you've actually changed.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point. Now, you'll definitely find individuals who just don't want to change. It doesn't matter what you say or do or how you package it or frame yeah. it to them. They're just so used to doing something for so long. So let's say, for example, I have a coworker mm-hmm. here who is adverse to some of the implementations or changes that have been made how are you able to help the cultural kind of reshift and and be able to absorb those people or really help those people get on board with the new mm-hmm. changes
1: yeah and some some people leave of course they self select out um and uh, not in droves by any means but okay you know there's usually a few people who who self select out which is probably just, for the best you know, yeah for them and <laughs> yeah. for the company right it's probably both yeah and usually both people and and then mm-hmm. um so sometimes people have are not so into a change yeah, because course. I find they they fundamentally don't agree with that. However, I find that you usually not if they fundamentally don't agree with it, they usually have really valuable yeah. information to yeah. share that we need to hear. so there's that,
0: which goes back and, to that safe space. And,
1: yeah. And then another point can be, though, that it's pushing them so far outside of their comfort zones mm-hmm. that, of course, if we're pushed really far outside of our comfort zones, it makes sense that, of course, as humans, we'll resist that. Right. Yeah, of course. We don't feel so safe. <laughs> yeah. So then it's helping them. You know, is it looking at it differently? Is it taking more incremental steps for them? What's going to help them move forward in a way that's a little more comfortable for them? So really looking. I have a lot of respect for folks who who want to stay in their comfort zones in the sense that I get it, that's part of being human. So I want to work with you and really respect where you are and see what we can do.
0: Yeah, definitely. On a different note, do you often find that the mission or the vision of an organization usually has to change when they change their culture? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, usually as part of the as part of how the culture is evolving. You know, mm-hmm. we need we're going to you know, we want to become more innovative as an organization. Right. That's yeah. fairly common. 2019, 2018, 2019, 2020. I'm sure we'll see something similar. <laughs> right. Now. Um right. So how so for us to, you know, of course, the question's why. Right. Uh-huh. Why do you want to become more innovative? That's important. You don't do it just to do it. Um, and then and then there's usually something if the innovation, the the urge to innovate more there's a business case for it. It makes a lot of sense. It's also usually something that I've noticed trying to emerge in the culture, in Mm -hmm. the organization. And then we start looking deeper. Does that mean that your organizational purpose, mission, vision, needs to shift also? Is there actually something new that wants to emerge here? Or sometimes I've also noticed purpose, mission, vision, maybe they change, but they're still in the ballpark. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't fundamentally change. And what's happened is the organization hasn't been fulfilling them for a while.
0: So Uh, it's
1: getting back on track.
0: Yeah, which makes sense because if you you really think about it, if there's mediocrity or the company's just been stagnant for so long, then yeah, it would make sense that they're not progressing into the mission and vision of what they originally had designed in the first place. Right. Well, unfortunately, Claudette, our time is up. I can't believe it. We flew through this interview. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and to purchase this phenomenal book, Cultural Brilliance, The DNA of Organizational Excellence, where would they find this information online?
1: So thank you. My website is culturalbrilliance.com. And you can find out, yeah, the book is there, all the information, all the ways that I you know, consult, speak, coach, and work with folks and organizations are there. And uh, the AMP book is also directly available on Amazon.
0: Excellent. Well, my listeners also know that if they're not able to find this book, one more time, Cultural Brilliance, The DNA of Organizational Excellence, any other place, they can simply go to either James jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv, and in the previous guest sections in both stores there, it will link them directly to Amazon. Claudette, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest in my show today. I really did appreciate all your expertise and your time.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, James.
0: It was a pleasure. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guest's self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.